We all talk. We all like to talk. And some of us like to talk more than others. I can guarantee you that at some point today, you opened up your mouth and you talked. I did the same. In fact, I am talking right now. What's crazy is that in the time span of one minute, we can talk between 130 and 150 words. That's quite a few in 60 seconds. You times that by 60 and you get between 7,000 and 9,000 words in an hour. That's more than quite a few. On average, the woman talks about 16,500 words in a day. 16,500 words. That is a lot of words. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not one of those women who likes to talk that much. We talk in a different way. We talk with our fingers, right? We send a text. We send an email. We send a message to somebody. We put up a post. We are communicating with our words when we do that. We all like to talk. The scary thing about how many words that we use daily is that Jesus teaches in Matthew 7, in Matthew 12, that we are going to give an account for every single word that comes out of our mouth. Every single word. All 16,500 words. Our text today is going to reveal the connection between our speech and our hearts and what words should be coming out that honor God. So turn with me to Ephesians 1, my bad, Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, the people of Ephesus, in around 60 AD. At the time that he was writing this, he was in Rome and he was in prison. Paul encourages the Ephesians that they are new in Christ. Their life is new in Christ, and because it is new in Christ, their actions need to follow through with that. And not only do their actions need to act like they are in Christ, their speech needs to follow along with that. They need to put away the corrupt talk, and they need to put on good talk. And as women who are in Christ, we must have a speech that exemplifies our identity in Christ. This command is easier said than done, right? We all talk 16,500 words every day, and we are to only use good words. Look back at Ephesians 4.29 with me. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Let no, not a single corrupting talk should come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If you and I 
are going to not let any single corrupting talk come out of our mouths, we're going to need to put a guard up. And that's your first fill in the blank. Guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. The first part of Ephesians says, says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That let there, that's an imperative verb. This is not something that Paul is suggesting we do because we are in Christ. This is something that we must do. Let. It's an imperative. It's a must. We must let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. The corrupting word here in Greek is sapros. Sapros means decaying, rotten, evil, putrid. Those are strong words. Those are strong words for our speech. We don't really see sapros mentioned that often in the New Testament, but in Matthew, we see it twice. The first one describes a bad tree that bears bad fruit. The second one describes a rotten fish that has to be thrown away. Matthew 13, 47, and 48 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. The bad is our word sapros there. And Paul is using the same term to describe this fish that needs to be thrown away as our words. We've all been to the ocean, a lake, or like a river or the bay when you're walking and that stench comes, right? It's that rotten, smelly, fishy stench, and it doesn't smell good. It's not pleasant. You almost put up your gag reflex when you smell it. It's not a fun smell. It's gross. It's stinky. It's slimy. It just doesn't smell good. You don't want to be there. You want to leave. You want to leave that place. That fish needs to be thrown into the ocean, needs to be buried in the sand. Something needs to be done with it so that the stench does not fill the air. It's unpleasant. Well, again, Paul is using this same term of this gross, rotten, smelly, dirty fish with corrupt words. With the corrupt words. You guys, our words, when we speak that they are corrupt, they smell like rotten, dirty fish. To everyone around you and to the Lord, your corrupt words smell like a rotten fish. That is gross. That is so gross. We should be getting rid of that smell. We should be getting rid of those corrupt words. They need to be thrown into the trash, thrown into the sea, buried in the sand, get rid of them. So what words are in your speech that carry rotten fish smell? Think about it. Your everyday life. What words are corrupt? God has so much to say through the Bible about our speech and what needs to be done, what we need to say, and what words need to be thrown out of our vocabulary. There are five different types of rotten words we need to guard our mouths from. 
The first rotten word that we need to guard our mouths from is angry words and insults. Angry words and insults. Matthew 5, 2022 says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Angry words need to go. Insults need to go. You know when things go wrong and you feel it coming? It was unexpected. You didn't want it to go that way. Someone said something. Someone did something. And before you know it, the words that are coming out of your mouth are angry. You guys, we cannot be women of Christ and have angry words. Instead of using angry words, we need to pause and get perspective. Pause and get perspective. Take a breath. If you feel like you are going to be angry and the words that are coming out of your mouth are not honoring to God, pause and take a breath. Sometimes parents will send their kids into a timeout. Sometimes we should probably send ourselves into a timeout. Get a little bit of space. Rethink through what just happened before words start spewing out of your mouth. Get perspective. This one's a little trickier. Maybe revisit the conversation in your head. Think through, did I miss something? Did I miss the reason why they were doing that or why they said that? We need to pause and get perspective before we just spew angry words out. We need to guard our mouth from angry words. This second rotten speech is our tendency to trash leaders or those in authority. Acts 23.5, Paul is talking here and says, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Ephesus was a pretty wealthy city, and everybody wanted to have them. So they went through a lot of leaders. Like I said, this was written in about 60 AD, and the leader, the person in charge in that day, was the emperor Nero. You've probably heard of him. He persecuted the early church. He persecuted them by feeding them to wild animals alive. He persecuted them by giving them, burning them alive into human torches. He sent the Jews away from Rome because he did not want them there. Guys, this leader was bad, right? This is bad. But Paul is not saying, oh yeah, just go trash him because I disagree with him. No, Paul says to respect our leaders. So instead of trashing leaders in our words, remember who put them there. Remember who put them there. Our leaders are put there by God. This was not a surprise to God when the leaders of the past and the present come in. He knew. They weren't just sneaking into their roles and now God is confused. No, God specifically put them there for their roles, for his plan, for his purpose, even if we don't understand it. This doesn't just mean political leaders. This means church leaders. 
Maybe we disagree with a decision that is being made in the church. It gives us no way it's not right to talk about our leaders in a trashing way. On social media, to other people, there should be no place for that. We need to guard our mouths from trashing leaders. This also includes the leaders in our home. Maybe you disagree with a decision that your husband's making or that your parents are making or whoever it is that is the leader in your home. Do not trash them with your words. God put them there for a plan. He put them there for a purpose. Do not trash, your, trash the leaders. The third rotten speech is being a busybody. Being a busybody. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. A busybody is someone who pries and meddles into the affairs of other people that they have no business meddling in. And then they say it. But 1 Timothy says they say what they should not. Busybodies should not be something that comes out of our mouths. They should not be doing this. Sometimes this is done in a passive way. Maybe not with our speech, but with what we're doing. Social media stalking. We have access to so many profiles through social media. Maybe I'm curious about someone, and so I go to their Instagram. Well, I will scroll until I figure out an answer, or I see, oh, wow, they're connected to this person and this person, and it's not a good thing. This is me digging up dirt that should not be a thing. And then you can go and click on what photos they're tagged in and who tagged them in. Then you can go to their family members and their friends and their husband. Guys, we cannot be busybodies. So instead of being a busybody, we need to simply get busy. Get busy. The easiest way is to stop, to stop being a busybody is to just get busy. Be productive. Do something. Take your kids to the park. Clean the house. Serve in church. Do something. Turn off your phone. Whatever it is, do not get into that habit of being a busybody. We need to guard our mouths from this because it is not helpful to those around us or is it pleasing to God. The next one that we're going to talk about was probably your first thought, and that is gossiping and slandering. We need to guard our mouths from gossiping and slandering. Romans 1.29 says this, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. This is a laundry list of things. The definition of gossiping is to reveal personal details about someone that should not be shared with others. And if you need more, ask yourself, 
if that person was in the room, would you feel comfortable saying it? Would you feel comfortable saying it in front of them? If you don't, then do not say it. That is gossip. The definition of slander, though, is different. Slander is saying something about someone else to ruin that person's reputation, whether or not they are in the room or not. The goal of slandering is to ruin the reputation, and it doesn't matter if they are across the room, if they are in your group that you're talking to, it's to ruin their reputation. You guys, this is evil. This is rotten and corrupt talk that should not be coming out of our mouths if we are in Christ. Instead of gossiping and slandering, say something nice. Say something nice. Sometimes it's awkward when you know that you're gossiping in a group to be like, you guys were gossiping. It's kind of awkward. Say something nice. Change the direction of the conversation. It could be as simple as, you know, I saw that person serving in KBC this week. They were loving those kids so well. That's it. You don't have to be best friends with them. Say something nice. What's interesting is this context of Romans 1. If you don't think that gossip is serious, look what follows after gossip. It says they are gossips, slanders, and haters of God. This is in the same list. Gossiping is in the same list as haters of God. And yet so often we find ourselves gossiping. Those words come out of our mouth and that should not be the case. To be a hater of God is seriously wrong, right? You and I would all say that is wrong, to hate God. Gossiping is in that same list. It is wrong and it needs to be taken seriously. We need to guard our mouths from this. My mom used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? Have you heard that? Yeah. How wise. If you can't figure out how to change that direction, if you can't change that direction and you can't think of anything, anything nice to say, don't say words that you are going to regret later. Don't add anything. Don't take part. Don't say anything. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. The fifth rotten speech that we're going to look at is lying. Lying. We need to guard this from our mouths. Ephesians 4.25, just a few verses before our passage, says this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. A lie is to express what is false. If it's not the full truth, if it's half truth, it's a lie. We have a tendency to say small white lies because nobody is going to know the difference. Nobody's going to know the difference. Don't get stuck in that pattern. Don't get stuck in the pattern of doing small white lies because no one's going to notice. God notices every corrupt word that comes out of our mouths. And if you think, eh, I don't lie. That's not really the issue that I have with my speech. Matthew 5, 37, Jesus is talking. 
And he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You guys, we lie when we say yes to something and we don't follow through. We need to stick to the truth. Instead of lying, stick to the truth. Just because you don't feel like going that morning of doesn't mean that you shouldn't go. Right? If I, don't, if I say to my husband, I'm going to go to the gym with you in the morning, but I wake up at 6 in the morning, I am most likely not going to want to feel like going to the gym. I'm not a morning person. But I need to stay true to my word. If I said yes to going with him, then I go. This goes for church, for serving, for friends' parties, for a park day with kids, even though it's been a hectic day. We need to guard against these lies. These five examples of speech come out of our mouths multiple times in the week. In order to guard our mouths, we need a filtering system. When I was growing up, I used to make applesauce with my family. It was a whole day thing. We would skip school. I was homeschooled, so we would skip school, and we would go applesauce picking, I guess. Apple picking to make applesauce. And I loved it. It was great. You would go pick apples, all different kinds. You'd bring it back. You'd wash all the apples. You would put it in this pot. It would boil the apples down. And then you would transfer it over to this food mill, right? In this food mill, you would pour the apples in. And on one side, you had to crank and push the apples. You had to squeeze the apples down, right? And slowly but surely, it would go through this strainer. And the strainer was helpful because it took away the core, it took away the seeds, it took away the skin, it took away the things that you don't want really in your applesauce. But on the other side of the strainer came down this apple puree, right? It was golden, it was juicy, it smelled delicious, it was good. Well, in the same way, our words need to go through a filtering system. They need to go out one end where all that stuff, the core, the seeds, that goes in the trash. We don't want that. Our corrupt words need to go that way. They need to go in the trash, be done with it. But our good words need to go down the little slide into the bowl of good, golden, juicy applesauce. Look back at Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 with me. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Paul mentions that we must not use rotten words. Rotten, corrupt words, nothing. We need to guard our mouths from them. But he doesn't stop there. He continues with speech only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The Ephesians must live into this new life. It means they need to throw away this corrupt speech, right? They need to put off the old self, and they need to put on the new self and use only words that are good. To live like Christ is to use Christ-like words, and you and I need to use Christ-like words. Paul says to do this, by encouraging others. Point two, 
Encourage those around you. Encourage those around you. We all know that person who is genuinely positive, right? Every word that comes out of their mouth is so encouraging, so uplifting. You feel like you can do anything. And you sometimes wonder, why can't I be like them? Well, there are power in words when someone believes in you, when they support you, when they acknowledge you, when they see you with their words. And as a Christian woman, we are called to be that woman. Paul says, but only such is good. Only such is good. The Greek word for good here is agathos. It means pleasant, desirable, usable, kind, appropriate, valuable, and for the well-being of others. Paul gives us three ways to do this. Three ways to encourage those around you. Look back at the text with me, Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We need to encourage those around us, and we need to do it for the sake of building others up. The first way that we can do this is to be helpful with our words. Paul says to build up those around you. The definition of build up is the act of bringing something or someone closer to completion and fullness. I'm going to read it again. The act of bringing something or someone closer to the completion or fullness. When you think of a house that's in construction, The bricks need to go in, the cement needs to go in, the lights need to go in. Everything needs to go. It needs to be built up, right, in order for it to be done, for it to be complete, for people to move in. In the same way, we need to build others up. We need to build them up, brick by brick, until they are at completion. Paul has been hitting this idea of building up the body of Christ in Ephesians 4.11, Ephesians 4.26, and now in Ephesians 4.29. This is not a new idea to them. But he also mentions this idea in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You see, Paul urges the Thessalonians to continue to build up. They're already building up, but they need to continue. This should be a constant practice of building up. It never ends. You and I need to encourage those around us by building up others. You know that feeling when someone doesn't build you up, right? We've all had that experience at least once. It sticks with you. And maybe you left that conversation feeling discouraged, ashamed. But on the flip side of things, you also have probably had that conversation with someone where you tore them down, where you didn't build them up with your words, where they left that conversation with you feeling discouraged, ashamed, Maybe those are your friends. 
Maybe those are your kids. Maybe that is your husband. We need to be helpful with our words. And in order to be helpful, we need to build up one another so that that person gets closer to completion. One thing to add, ladies, if you're married, you are commanded to build up your husband daily. Daily. A good way to think about this is being their cheerleader, right? We all know what cheerleaders do. They stand on the sidelines and they go, go team, go, right? They liven up the group. They support their team. Ladies, we need to be cheerleaders of our husbands daily. If there's one thing I want you to take away today, it is to build up your husbands with your words daily. So often it is so easy to get home at the end of the day or they come home at the end of the day and we tear them down brick by brick. We are called to build them up brick by brick. So who can you build up? Think about it. Maybe even tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe this week. Pick one person who you will intentionally build up this week. You can do that through shooting them an encouraging text with your words. Write them a handwritten letter. Pull them aside and say something to their face that's encouraging and that builds them up in their faith. Another idea is, if you get a gift from someone, write a thank you card. Write a thank you card. Let them know that you see the gift that they gave you, that you took the time to write them a card because they took the time to pick out this gift that they handpicked for you. Write a thank you card for gifts. This goes a long way. Another component of encouraging those around us, look back at the passage. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. The second way we can encourage those around us is to be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. We just got done with our study in Colossians. And it gives such a clear definition of what it means to say, as fits the occasion. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's what it means to fit the occasion. That you may know how to answer each person. So often when we're in conversations, we just can't wait to get to the part where we get to talk. And so we interrupt. Now, before the words come out of your mouth, you need to listen. You need to listen. Because that person at your table might need a different encouragement than the person across the room tonight. You need to listen to what is going on with their lives. You need to encourage, encourage them as fits the occasion. The book of Proverbs talks about this, Proverbs 18, 13, and it says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. The fool is the one who interrupts 
before he listens. Again, we have such a tendency to just want to say what we want to say. We interrupt and we miss what that person was trying to say. If you want to encourage those around you as fits the occasion, stop and listen before you start talking. Stop and listen. Look back at the text with me, Ephesians 4, 29, and it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The third way we can encourage is to be generous with our words. Be generous. The definition of being generous with our words is to give extra kind words to others. Right? To give grace is to give something that is undeserved. We need to do this with our words. We often hold back our compliments. Have you noticed? Oh, you did such a great job tonight. But then there's more that you want to say, but then you hold back. Because you don't want it to get to their head, right? We do this with our husbands. We do this with our kids. We do this with our parents. We, we do this, okay? We do this. We should not do this. That is wrong. We are called to give gracious words. We are called to be generous with our words. Don't hold back on helpful words. Yes, restrain the corrupting words, but do not hold back on the words that build up. I've fallen into this pattern with my husband where he will do the dishes, make dinner, maybe even put in a load of laundry, and I'll be like, thanks, babe, for doing the dishes. But he did so much more, and I just don't want to say it because I don't want it to get into his head. Right? I don't want him to think he's cooler than he is. Guys, that is not helpful, and that is not what we are called to do. We are called to be generous, generous with our words. That means your friends. That means your family. That means teachers and pastors and kids and husbands. It, it all goes. Be generous with your words. The problem with building others up and not being able to restrain our words is that we can't do it if we're doing it on our own. We can't do it if we're doing it on our own. James 3.8 says that no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It is humanly impossible to tame our tongue. To let no corrupting speech come out of our mouths is impossible. And therefore, to let only speech that is good come out of our mouths is also impossible. Impossible. So James is telling us one thing about our tongue. And Paul is saying, but this is what we must do if we are in Christ. How do we, how do, we do this? We do this by God working in and through us. The process process of sanctification. Look back on Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 with me. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, 
as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If we want to guard our mouths from corrupt speech and encourage those around us with only good words, we must depend on the Holy Spirit. And that's your third fill-in. Depend on God's Spirit. This verse is the motivation behind verse 29. It's the motivation behind point one and point two, and it should be our motivation today. If we are in Christ, we need to depend on God's Spirit, and we can because God is with us. God's Spirit is in us. Every Christian has God's Spirit in them to help. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You see, when we became new creations, we got the Spirit in us. He started living in us, and he resides in us to this day. The salvation of believers is sealed by the Holy Spirit, and it cannot be broken. The Spirit is with us and in us. John 14, 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. God's Spirit is in those that belong to him. God's Spirit doesn't just dwell nearby. He dwells in us. And not only is he dwelling in us, but he's empowering us and helping us to do what he has called us to do, to act and to live in Christ. And not only is he empowering us to do this, he wants us to get this right. He wants us to get our speech right. And we can with full dependence on the Holy Spirit. If you were to look back on 430, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, when we don't get our speech right, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we don't get our speech right, when we don't only use words that are good, we grieve the Holy Spirit. He is bummed. He is bummed that we don't get it right. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason the Holy Spirit is grieved is because our rotten words reveal that we have a heart problem. We have a heart problem. We don't want to grieve the Spirit with our speech. We want to walk in living in Christ. This word grieved can be interchangeable with offended. Offended. This definition is upset, annoyed, saddened, and distressed. 
Paul echoes this idea portrayed in Isaiah 63, 9 through 10, where we see the same phrase, grieved the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read it for you, so follow along. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he, God, redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Isaiah here is talking about the Israelites when they were in Exodus. They asked God to save them, and God mercilessly and lovingly saves them. But as soon as they get into that desert, and as soon as something goes wrong, they rebel against God. Paul recognizes that even saved people can cause God to grieve with their actions and their words. When people continue in sin that should have been put off with the old self, it offends God. When we continue in sin, we are rebelling against God's good rules for our lives. We often feel like if we don't say a four-letter swear word, we're doing great. But the sin that we commit every day from our mouth, the lying to our friends, to our family, the trashing leaders on social media or in a group, gossiping with other ladies, getting angry at your kids, saying what you should not deeply offends and grieves the spirit of God. It becomes smelly, rotten fish to God. There are times where I felt distant to God in my walk with him. Have you been there before? Have you wondered what happened? Can I challenge you to think through what was coming out of your mouth at that moment? What was coming out of your mouth that week? Our sin and our corrupt words grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed your speech recently? Even today, if you're thinking about it. Notice what comes out in the next hour. Notice what comes out once you get home. What comes out tomorrow? What comes out at the end of the week when you're exhausted? Is it rotten words that cause the Spirit to be offended? Or is it encouraging to those around you? Is it honoring in God's eyes? So how do we make sure that we are fully dependent on God so that all corrupt speech can get put away and only words that are good? There are three ways that we can depend on God and not grieve his spirit. The first, be in prayer. Be in prayer. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard, over, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Guard my mouth. What a good prayer to have in your head every day. Guard, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Constantly, constantly ask God to set a guard over your mouth. We are using so many words in so many different ways. Set that guard. The next way 
is to be in the word. Be in the word. The God of the universe is communicating with us through his word, the Bible. And we need to know what corrupt speech is and what speech is good. If we're going to do point one and point two, we need to know what it is. God's word clearly tells us. The world is telling you as soon as you walk out of these doors that you can say what you want to say, that you can feel what you want to feel. You can be angry with your husband. You can be angry with your kids. That you're validated in all of your emotions and all of your words that come out of your mouth. This is just not true. We have to keep grounding ourselves back in God's word and seeing what is right and what is wrong. We need to keep seeing how our speech needs to change, how it needs to grow, how it needs to honor God more and more. The third thing is to memorize truth. Memorize the truth. Psalm 119.11. I love this verse. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to know God's truth by reading God's word, but then we need to memorize it. We need to put it close into our hearts. And so when those temptations come up, right, when we get angry, when we want to lie, when we do all of the things that we shouldn't do with corrupt speech, we have scripture there to help fight the battle that we are going to face. There's a little square card on your table, and it has Ephesians 4, 29, and 30 on it. Take this home. Look at it. Put it in your cup holder. Put it by your bedside. Put it on the mirror. Put it wherever you're going to see it often. Take it and memorize it. At this point, I think I've said the verses so many times, you might already have it memorized. <laughs> but keep it. Look at it. Pray over it. We need to store up God's word in our hearts. And then, once you know it, put it into practice. Put it into practice. We are fully dependent on God, Spirit, when we are in prayer, digging into his words that he wrote for us and memorizing the truths of his word. We must be dependent on the Holy Spirit for corrupt words to be thrown out and for our speech to only be encouraging to those around us. We've all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. This is false. In fact, Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 tells us the opposite. Words carry weight. Words have impact. They have impact on our relationship with those around us, and they have impact with our relationship with God. If we are not fully dependent on God's Spirit who is in us, we will keep speaking the corrupting words, and we will keep not building others up through encouraging them. Be women who desire to build those around you up, who are fully dependent on God, because you are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. 
Thank you for each of the ladies in this room that you brought. God, we pray that your words in Ephesians would impact the words that come from our mouths tonight, tomorrow, this week. God, may we be women who only use speech that builds up those around us. Would you convict us in the areas of our corrupt speech that we need to guard our mouths from, that we need to throw away, that we need to trash? Would you give us the desire to have words that are sweet? We know we can't do this on our own. And would you give us the wisdom and discernment? Would you give us the strength to guard our mouths in the moments that we want corrupt speech to come out? God, I thank you for each one of these ladies, for bringing them here tonight, for them sacrificing their time to be here. God, you are so, so good to us, and we thank you for your word that we learn from. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.